Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. season starts on Saturday as the three and four Knights look to avenge their loss against Oklahoma against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Hello everybody welcome back to Charge On. As always I'm your host Sean Green. Before we get started as always a quick word from our sponsors Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to BetOnline today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Listen, before we get into it, it's NBA season obviously we're recording this on Wednesday Orlando Magic tip off tonight against the Houston Rockets so we're both decked out in Magic gear I get it's a UCF pod but we are both Magic fans I'm a lifelong Magic fan oh I've got the the retro probably one of the nicest things retros like back in obviously the old time stuff you know I've had this in my closet and I mean I wore this on the last pod but 35th season for the Magic Seems like it's going to be a good one. I, I I can't remember the last time I was this excited for a season. Um, so really pumped for that. Nick, obviously, you know, you're a Magic fan, but you also weren't on the last pod. So we welcome you back after. Listen, let's let's call it like it is. Nobody in their mother's mother anticipated the game that we just witnessed on Saturday. Uh, it sucked I could I had to do it by myself, but it is what it is. What a game. And, and has your opinion changed on this team at all? And welcome to the pod. Yes, it's uh, good to be back after a one-week hiatus. I spent, full disclosure, I spent my Saturday up in Tallahassee uh, going to Florida State Duke. My wife's a Duke fan, so she wanted to go to that game. And so we took in Dope Campbell Stadium on a Saturday night, big-time college football game. It was great, <clears throat> but I was out and about during the day, you know, and I couldn't check into my hotel until three. And I got back and immediately I turned on the UCF game. And I hadn't looked at anything, by the way. Had not looked at a single thing. And UCF was winning 23 to 17 at that time. And I'm text, I'm like, what did I miss? What did I miss? I thought by this time we would be getting close to, you know, down by three scores or something and just like get this over with, whatever. <clears throat> but they were winning that game in the fourth quarter, which was which good to see. And I, I watched the end of the fourth quarter there. And then went back and watched uh, parts of the rest of the game. But, you know, has my opinion changed? You know, when, when games like this happen and in college football, it's so week to week and anybody can beat anybody. We know this. And UCF, a two-point loss to Oklahoma on the road. Yes, it's good. You know, it's it's definitely a positive. It's a trend in the right direction. But for me, when stuff like this happens, it's all about the follow-up. And, and that's kind of what I'm... I'm kind of looking forward to seeing right now is getting back home against a team that is struggling right now. And what's the follow-up going to be? Because if you go out there and you lose to West Virginia, 
at home and you slip to, you know, a five game losing streak, then, you know, what, how much does it matter? You know, not to dis, not to dis, diminish what happened there, but, you know, I watched a lot of teams on the ropes this weekend. I watched Washington, a team that has national championship aspirations. They needed a very fortunate pass interference call late in the game and a pick six to, to fend off Arizona State with one win. So, you know, this stuff happened. USF and Alabama, another good example there. This stuff happens around college football. And for me, it's all about what the follow-up is going to be. So it was enjoyable for a week. I hate that it came down and it ended the way it did. I know everybody's talked to death about that two-point call. Um, Again, it's one of those things where if it works out, what a great play call. So innovative. Way to go for it. And when it doesn't work out like it did, it's awful play call. Why would you call that situation? I mean, all I'll say about it is we've tried this whole, whether it's RJ Harvey or in this case, Xavier Townsend, we've tried, you know, anybody but the quarterback throwing the ball this year. To my knowledge, I can't remember one time they completed the pass. I don't think in that moment with a chance to uh, tie that game and send it to overtime, that was the best moment for it. Um, I heard what Darren Henshaw said after the game about, you know, it was there and if Xavier throws it, he didn't do it for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, It is what it is, but a two-point loss on the road against Oklahoma, given what we were expecting, you know, they played hard. I think that's the big thing is there's no quit in the team. I think you see that. Nobody's lost. The coaching staff hasn't lost these players amid a losing streak. They're still fighting hard, um, and that's what you want to see. But again, moving forward, I want to see what the follow-up is to that game. Yeah, the follow-up is the most important, and you're right. I mean, the two-point play is was the talk amongst college football, UCF fans, everyone alike. And though I said, and you know, I went on 96.9 the game in the zone with Brandon Kravitz, and Brandon did not agree with me. I, I said that I don't, I, I understand the call. I didn't hate it as much as some did. I don't agree with it. I mean, I wouldn't have called it, but I also see both sides of the coin like you said right in college football if it works you're praised if right. it doesn't you're you're the worst coach and and again it was the same thing I, I i on twitter right ucf loses by two and it's this coaching staff sucks this is an awful team like blah 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 not as much as we usually see but there were still multiple tweets that i saw but guess what if we got blown out by 40 like most of us anticipated right you're still saying the same stuff so it's like for me i'll take a two-point conversion loss that nobody agrees with or not a lot of people like over a 40-point loss which uh, there's a 10 percent part of the fan base that 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 that's there that well, is there I, I just think for me like John Rice Plumley on that drive alone made some big, big time throws. You think at the play over the middle of the field, I think it was fourth down that he made to to Randy Pittman to extend that drive. And then the throws he made in the red zone. I just thought the way he was throwing it there, he seemingly had the hot hand. He got you back into that game there to give you a chance to go to overtime. I would have liked to have seen the ball have been in your best player's hand. That's just me. Now, I yep. know he's I know he was limited from a moving standpoint as we sort of expected, and so maybe that limits a little bit your creativity down there of what you can do. Um but again, you got good skill players, you know. Javon Baker had a good game. Randy Pittman was having a good game at that moment. You had Kobe, you had Townsend. I think there's enough talent on there that you don't have to get super crazy 
with that play call in that moment. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You, you move on. There's no shame in losing by two on the road to Oklahoma, especially when you were winning that game, you know, for a, a large stretch of it. I think we would take that as UCF fans. Oh, 100%. And before we move on, I will say, I do have a little bit of a theory. I do think that the John Rice, like, obviously we know, like, there was a lot of players that were not really feeling good before the game. The IVs, uh, John Rice got four IVs, and the fact that he already had the knee injury. And we said, like, ultimately we knew his running capabilities were going to be very limited. And we saw that very early on and, and throughout the game. He stayed mostly in the pocket. He he ran a couple times. Obviously, the one touchdown throw to Javon where he acted like he was going to run and, and toss it to him. That was a great play design. I will say, John Rice did run it in for a touchdown that mm-hmm. one time. It was on like the one, two-yard line. I guarantee you that that was there. And remember, UCF like tried to get in two or three times and couldn't get it. And Oklahoma is really good in that red zone, one to two yard goal line area. I think that would have been the play if they hadn't used it, if they hadn't used it, you know, two quarters before. But unfortunately you use it and you have to go to another backup option, which was this. So, you know, it could have worked. I understand what Coach Hinshaw saw because I even texted you after the game and I said, uh, he was open. If the ball got thrown perfect and he was ready to throw it, Javon Baker was open in the back of the end zone. But again, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's what matters this week, what happens this week. Yeah. Because you're going on a five-game skid where or you're potentially going to be on a five-game skid. You're hoping you can go on a five-game win streak here in the next five weeks to, to close out your season. Yeah, and let me say this too. The other nugget about that game before we move on to West Virginia, <clears throat> but I definitely want to get it in because I don't think you've talked about it either because it came out on Monday, was and this has to do with Henshaw and the comments he had on the whole the whole Javon Baker thing, um, you know the the peace sign or Me whatever. And you both agree on this, I think. Yeah, we, we both agree well, on this. The 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 peace sign or whatever he did when he was running for that touchdown before the the, the half ended the kiss. There you go. And and Darren Henshaw seemed a bit agitated by it. I know Britt Venables was, of course he was, uh, but Darren Henshaw's comments the other day and saying that it's not who we are and it's an embarrassment to our program and we're going to deal with it. And bottom line is don't do it again. You know, in, in, I, I don't like the verbiage there at all. No. At all. Um, you can say, you can disagree with what Javon Baker did in that moment all you want. And that's fine. But embarrassment to the program, let, let's back off a little bit. That was a very, very minor thing, I think. You know, I know it's the, the NFL is different, obviously, but how many times have we used to see Tyreek Hill do the peace sign when he's running into the end zone? You know, to other players like and that's just that just stuff kind of happens. And I understand, you know, if you get a penalty there, it probably wipes off the touchdown. And that's the risk, I guess, that you run by doing something like that. It didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I, I just it, it's I don't know how much more I have to add on it. I just think embarrassment to the program is a bit strong for something like that. Like if we're in, if you get into a situation where you lose your composure and there's like, you know, some shoving on the field and you throw a swing at somebody's helmet, which is stupid. And then you get not, you knock yourself out of the game. Okay. I can see if you want to bring out the embarrassment to the program, embarrassment for yourself. If you want to be harsh like that, I got no problem with that. 
but for just a little bit of a, a kiss running into the end zone, embarrassment to the program is not the words I would have used to describe that. I did not like that whatsoever from Darren Henshaw. Uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, the verbiage there was a little too much. I, I think what Gus, how Gus put it, obviously, was a little bit more eloquent, saying that, listen, ultimately, getting that penalty in the end zone cost us three points. Now, granted, again, the defense could have stopped them. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff could have happened. But he said, ultimately, we had to kick from the 20-yard line, so that gave a little bit of extra yardage, so we just got to be smarter. We just got to be more smart. Uh, I don't like the penalty there. Uh, it was the same. It was Javon and Kobe celebration they do anytime either of them score a touchdown. So, again, that was just the refs getting involved when I don't think they needed to. But, yeah, like, I get making sure that the players are disciplined because, yes, that would have wiped out the touchdown, the kiss penalty, if they did throw that flag. At the same time, though, to be honest, your players on a three-game skid, they're showing a little bit of, of heart here. They're showing a little bit of moxie. And to go say it's an embarrassment, it's like, dude, we're, we're, we're playing toe-to-toe with the number six team in the country. We're showing fight here. Let us do a little bit of, you know, I, show I just, our, our personalities and why, a little bit. And what benefit do you get from from saying that out into the public? Like, Not a benefit. If you, if you want to pull Javon Baker aside, which I'm sure he did before he made that comment in the public, okay, that's fine. You know, it's your team. You're the coach. You know, deal with it how you want to deal with it in-house. But... What what good is it to go and say that in the public? If you want to say, like, if you would have just left it as, you know, I talked to him, you know, he understands what happened and, you know, we hope that it doesn't happen again or it won't happen again. Whatever. That's fine. It's just yeah. the whole embarrassment to the program, bottom line. I don't want to harp on it too much, but I just wanted to get that in there. Just not what I would have done if I was Darren Henshaw in that moment. I th- I would think a lot of UCF fans probably agree with that sentiment. A little bit. Uh, yeah. And hopefully it doesn't affect, again, because... That one little thing can affect a lot of things. That one comment can affect a lot. It could affect morale. It could reflect, affect recruiting. Because if I'm a player and I look at that, I might have think what Javon did was cool. Or that, hey, listen, coaches let them have a little bit of fun. Now that they know it's an embarrassment to the program, if I'm a receiver, it's like, yikes, what am I going into? Now, granted, UCF hasn't had any problems. They have four receivers com- or you know committed to the 24 class and potentially one more coming. So, I mean, they'll be all right. But, yeah, I agree. Let's go to the game after talking about, you know, Oklahoma for 15 minutes, which, listen, for what it's worth, it was one of the biggest games in UCF history when it comes down to, I think UCF has only played a, a top 10 team in the country 22 times in their history or something to that nature. So, you know, big time game, you take the loss, but I think you learn a lot of things about your team that you can take on to this week. And I think it gives the team a little bit of confidence, right? You, you, you're playing a team in West Virginia who, listen, let's keep it real here, Nick. We were talking about West Virginia early in the year as being the worst team in the big 12. Uh, their coach, we said was going to be fired within the first four weeks. Uh, they had nobody good on their team and they've really proven everybody wrong. Now, you say, I know we mentioned, you know, they've struggled the last couple weeks. They're they're coming off of two L's, but let's keep it 100. I mean, against Houston, they lose, you know, 41 to 39 on a ridiculous Hail Mary. Uh, so they should have won that game. And then against Oklahoma State, granted, you know, I give them credit. They should have, Oklahoma State just ran the ball all over West Virginia. Um, Gordon is a beast. And, you know, if you're UCF, you're looking at the, the schedule like, uh, 
not really wanting to play Oklahoma State uh, too much, but to their credit, I mean, their losses come from Penn State, which was in week one. Um, obviously, besides that, they beat Texas Tech and TCU. Um, obviously, Pitt and Pitt is the worst team in the ACC, so I'm not really going there. But all in all, Nick, I mean, give them credit. They, they've played really well this year, and it's not an easy, again, in the Big 12, it's you don't get an easy off week. You're not getting an easy team that we were all going to expect of the week after Oklahoma. You're getting a tough West Virginia team that's coming off two losses and UCF's off three losses looking to to bounce back. Yeah, and you got two teams that we're getting to this point of the season that are going to be desperate because they're both trying to get to, to bowl eligibility as well. Uh, you look at West Virginia... Definitely overexceeded expectations in the the first half of the season. In the wacky nature of the Big 12, there was a time where you might have been saying, oh, they're a top five team in the Big 12. And then, you know, you lose kind of a wonky game there against Houston on the the Hail Mary. I mean, just that kind of stuff happens in in college football from time to time. But then, you know, again... The follow up to Oklahoma or uh, for West Virginia is okay. How do you rebound from that? And what happened was a really good running back, one of the best in the nation. In fact, I don't know if there's anybody in the nation playing better right now than him at the position. And Ollie Gordon just runs all over you, and you give up, you know, 48 points um, at home to Oklahoma State. And I think that's the big thing here. You look at West Virginia, the last two games, you know, defensively, they're given, they've almost they've given up close to 100 points. In the last two games and before that if you look at what they had done uh they had been a really really good defensive unit one of the best in the entire big 12 so you kind of see that they're reeling a little bit there uh maybe it was a little bit of fool's gold early on and you know now here comes ucf and as we kind of expected and we had kind of said this don't think ucf was necessarily going to have trouble moving the ball against West Virginia against Oklahoma. Now the run game, maybe the numbers will tell you that it wasn't as efficient as you would have liked, three point six yards per carry. But they did stick with it. You know, they ran it forty one times out of there. Again, albeit one of them was a long fifty four yard run from R.J. Harvey. So you got to take that into consideration. But I think based on the West Virginia defense and how it's trending, they've put it out there that you can run on this team. You can absolutely run on this team if you commit to it so just looking at the game plan going into this one knowing that john rice plumley is not going to be as mobile i'd expect another game where ucf tries to commit to it and get at least 40 to 45 run plays if they can have the ball enough against this west virginia defense yeah i mean i think when you look at this game from an outside perspective it's really going to be who can stop the run both teams now granted again we look at ucf and they played really well against the run against Oklahoma going up into the fourth quarter. But when you also look at Oklahoma's just running game in general this season, it's one of the lower you know teams in the Big 12 when it comes to running It doesn't the football. blow you away. No. So that's why it's like you can take, listen, anything is a positive after what we've had the last however many weeks. I mean, whenever you get run all over, you know, basically three weeks in a row, you really start, you'll take any positive. Obviously, Nick, you see some of the changes on the defense. Obviously, West Virginia is going to run the football. And just like they know we're going to run the football. I don't know how much John Rice is going to come into a factor. I'm sure. Listen, I don't know if they're going to force him to wear the boot. I don't know what the injury is specifically. If if he doesn't come out with the boot, 
I don't think that's a sign of, oh, he's 100% you know, going to run all over West Virginia. I do suspect if he wears that boot, they're still going to have design runs just to keep West Virginia on their toes. But from our defense's perspective, Nick, do you keep this the defense similar? Obviously, you have a good week against Oklahoma, right? You play the run really well. You change it up on defense. You, you throw some different things at them. Obviously, you get Ricky Barber back. You kind of switched up for the linebackers. Do you keep that same moxie on defense? Do you keep that, keep that same scheme, switching it up? Is that clearly what's working for UCF, so you use it this week? Or do you kind of you know, switch it up this week? to Because obviously, West Virginia, after having a bad week of practice, or not practice, but a bad week of game film running the football, will switch it up as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the game plan changes week to week. And what's different into this one, and... <clears throat> I can't really recall if UCF has had to face a, a quarterback like this in regards to Garrett Green, who likes to run the football. And you saw that against Oklahoma State, 16 carries, 117 yards. Uh, that That's clearly the, his strength, is getting outside of the pocket at some of these runs. And I don't know if UCF has really seen a quarterback like that this season. If I'm trying to jog my memory right now, I don't think they've really had it, because especially since they avoided having to play Jalen Daniels. And they got Bean instead. So we know that they've had struggles, you know, stopping the run in general against any running back for the most part. And they did an okay job, a solid job against Oklahoma. But now you got to deal with the threat coming from the quarterback position. And then, you know, also from, you know, their two-man tandem, whether it's Justin Johnson and CJ Donaldson, you know, it's kind of an even split there with those two guys of what they're going to bring. So, you know, I think, again, you know, you you hope that you get the same performance from that linebacking core that you got against Oklahoma. I'm hoping that carries over because you know we did positional groups and you know I gave them my grade very low, and I think they honestly deserved it. And coming out in the second half, the first game of the season, that is, you know, shout out Walter Yates, and he had a really really good game against Oklahoma. I thought Jason Johnson was more noticeable. So I think those two guys are going to be key once again. Obviously, getting Ricky Barber back was huge as well inside the middle. I think that helped. But yes, I think once again, it's going to come down to can the front seven do their job? Can the front seven do their job and limit those explosives on the ground and make Garrett Green beat you through the air? You mentioned him. Let's talk about him. Garrett Green. I mean, again, when you look at dual threat, in the Big 12, he's right up there. John Rice was healthy. Very similar in what they can do, right? Uh, protects the football. I mean, has, I think, only two interceptions on the year. Eight touchdowns. And then you mentioned him running the football. I mean, again, he's their second leading rusher. 61 carries for 349 yards and five touchdowns. So, listen, I think if you guys watched the Oklahoma game, you saw that. I think what the defense did really well was they did switch it up. They switched up what they were doing basically every play to kind of keep Dylan Gabriel off guard. And again, Oklahoma likes to run a lot of misdirection, get Gabriel kind of out to the right, out to the left to do a lot of RPOs. And to UCF's credit, they took away a lot of the passing options that Dylan Gabriel had. But I think Dylan Gabriel found out later in the game, I'm just going to take off with this because there's nothing open. And Dylan Gabriel got a couple big runs off of that 
So, Nick, when you when you know that UCF did a really good job taking away everything, but kind of leaving that quarterback run open, what needs to be changed this week? Obviously, it's making sure that the linebackers probably necessarily just on a QB spy and not necessarily going after the running back so far out to the, the boundary. But what does UCF need to do to make sure that Garrett Green doesn't beat, you know, them himself? Because at the end of the day, if Garrett Green goes off, it's going to be a shootout. And with John Rice, again, not 100% healthy, you don't want to get into another a shootout like West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Right. I think clearly, you know, that comes back to how effective you're going to be on offense. I think if you come out, you know, it's going to be home. I know it's a noon game and, you know, noon games can be weird sometimes. But if you can come out hot and kind of take a lead, I mean, look at the Baylor game. I mean, that kind of served as a blueprint. Now, yes, we know what happened. It was a, a collapse of epic proportions, as we know, but they were able to you know, get a big lead early. And I think if they're able to come out fast and you can kind of take away Oak or West Virginia's running game again, I, I just want Garrett, make Garrett green beat you. I think as a quarterback, he's very ordinary. Uh, you mentioned he doesn't turn over the football, only two interceptions on the season, I believe uh, in this one, but this isn't a precision passer or anything like that. That's going to pick you apart. In fact, he hasn't completed over 60% of his passes in any single game this season. That's it. And he's only completed 20 passes once, and that was in the shootout against Houston where they really needed him to uh, to do that. So I think it, it comes with your offense getting off to a hot start and making them throw a little bit in that game. It comes back to having spies or whatever it is. I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, Dylan Gabriel's not a run-first quarterback by any means, but, you know, he only killed you on one 14-yard run that entire game. And... That was it, right? And again, he's a completely different quarterback than what you're going to see this Saturday in green. But I think the blueprint was there for what you can do to kind of mitigate that. And I see no reason to change that. Listen, West Virginia's defense, I just looked up, is 57th in the country. I mean... It's inflated by the last two games, no doubt. Definitely inflated. It's definitely inflated. Uh and listen, at the end of the day, you are what you've done on your schedule. So ultimately, the last two weeks, West Virginia has given up a lot of points. I think UCF, again, it's all going to be about confidence in this game. Realistically, it's how confident are you post-Oklahoma that you can go out and finish your schedule. I put out a tweet, Nick, because, you know, again, you look at the rest of the schedule, and right now it looks bleak. You're 3-4. and four. You need to win three out of your next five to, to be bowl eligible. But I said, listen. You just went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the country. Could potentially be in the college football playoff at the end of the day. Probably not because, again, the top four is just so dominant right now. But if you look at the last five, you have a West Virginia team that is not easy, but they're beatable. You play like you did against Oklahoma. And tell me if you disagree or agree. You play like you did against Oklahoma. That's the blueprint. You play mistake-free football. No, Not a lot of penalties. Clean up the penalties. Mistake-free, no turnovers, and you just play a solid game. Against West Virginia, I think very beatable team. You're at home. You should win that game. Cincinnati, they are. you don't know what kind of Cincinnati team you're getting. You know you're getting a good defense every week. Offense, kind of scattered. You should go into Cincinnati and win. Oklahoma State, they look really good right now. I don't know if you'd be able to beat Oklahoma State. I think that's a game that... 
kind of 50-50, you're at home. But guess what? You can beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has proven they're not unbeatable, so you can win that game. Texas Tech, you don't, yes, you have to go on the road, but Texas Tech looks really beatable. That's a winnable game. And then Houston. Listen, Houston put up a good fight against Texas, but that's another team where they're not unbeatable. So, Nick, like UCF has the opportunity to go 5-0 and here. They have a great if they do you agree if you play like you did against Oklahoma, you win out? Or do you not believe that that team that played Oklahoma can win out with this schedule? I mean, yeah, if you of course, if you play like you did against Oklahoma, I mean, the way they played on that game, how many teams in the nation are going to beat them? I mean, the number as as it stands, the number 6 team in the nation had to have a fourth quarter comeback to beat them. So, yeah, but again, Consistency is the one thing that I think is lacked with this team from a week to week basis. So, like, that's why it's so hard to just handicap that. Like, is there an opportunity for them to run the table down the stretch and go five and zero and get to eight and four? Sure, there is. None of these teams, as we've been saying in the Big Twelve, really blow you away outside of the top two, right? Everyone else, I think, is beatable on any given Saturday, but. Do I necessarily trust that UCF is going to find that consistency here late in the season? Not really. And I know we're going to focus on the Oklahoma State game, you know, as it looks like your toughest game down the stretch here. But, you know, don't sleep on the game at the end of the year because all of a sudden Houston is playing much better football. I mean, you saw they took they took Texas down to the wire this past weekend. So some of these teams are they look a lot better now than they did at the beginning of the year. So yeah, I don't know if I'm banking on the fact that they can get to they can go five and0. you know, I've been saying all along six and six has been my my magic record for this team. You win this one, you get to four and four and then I just need you to, to find two more victories on this schedule. Uh, you know you're gonna have that trip to Lubbock too, which we know is not going to be easy either mixed in there and then the trip to Cincinnati, which has been a house of horrors lately for UCF. Um, in a defense that is pretty good over over there in Cincinnati. So, you know, I, I still think six and six is where I err. And to do that, you'd have to go. Now you got to make me do math three, here. Three, three and, two. and two. Three and two. I think that's very doable. I still think yeah. three and two is very doable. But five and oh, I think that might be pushing it a little bit right now. Listen, if you're right, and I think if you're a player in the locker room, and I'm sure the coaching staff has pushed this is saying, like, listen, we're three and four now. But you just almost be one of the best teams in the country. You've got five very winnable games. If you play like you did, you can be eight and four, which anybody in the country, if you said UCF would be eight and four in the first season of the Big 12, would be like, uh, watch out for UCF. So I agree with you. I mean, I said I was about seven and five, eight and four into the season. Um, if they go three and two these last five games... I think we would all be rejoicing. We get a bowl game. I saw one of the projected bowl games would be UCF versus Auburn. I would, uh, in the Gasparilla Bowl, I'd be heading down to Tampa. We'd be buying a... People think Auburn's going to win six games? Well, it was the Action Network's, uh, you know, bowl game prediction was UCF versus Auburn and Gasparilla Bowl. People are still predicting us to win six games. So it's like... the, The Gasparilla again, huh? I mean, I'll take it at this. We'll take a, a that would be just the storylines right itself. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, but no, I agree. I mean, ultimately, you just you have to go one game at a time. 
But you can also look at it and be like, listen, we had a really tough stretch at the beginning of the year, which we all talked about, Nick. We said the, the first five games, four four games in the Big 12 are going to be rough. Like the Baylor one was the only like one that you could really look at and say, that's that's a really good chance at a win. The rest, you're like, probably a loss or a toss-up. These next five are the ones that you're saying, you're about 50-50. If you play like you did, or you, you play a good fundamental game of football, you're more talented. You should win. You're at home three of the last five. One that you have to go on the road, you've played at multiple years. Like You went to it, Cincinnati it, it, for it really, years. It really, a lot of it, too, depends on how healthy can, can John Rice Plumley continue to get while playing is kind of the Probably big thing. The, kind of the big thing here. I mean, did he have a great game against Oklahoma? No. I thought he had a solid game. And in the big moments, I thought he made some really, really good throws. Okay? So well, you I was, agree with me on this? Can you pick out five to ten throws from that Oklahoma game and find those same five to ten throws last year? I probably can't tell you that, no. Like, I, I go back to the, the throw he made on that fourth down to Randy Pittman. That was an oh. elite throw. That's an elite the throw. Touchdown, the touchdown throw, fourth and ten to Javon Baker that on the right side. Right. To, to that's, tie, that's, almost that's, to that's get six big, points. That's a big-time throw. Like, I, I can't, I sit, but my point with John Rice Pumley, like, I thought he had a solid good game, is what I'll call it against Oklahoma. But what sets him apart again is that running ability and what he brings to the offense. I think that's what takes the offense to a next level, you know, as I've been saying, is if John Rice Pumley can run the football a little bit. So, how healthy can he get while playing, I think, is the big question. Because if John Rice Pumley, it was truly 100% healthy in that Oklahoma game, and I mean, like, he can run, no limitations, things like that. You know what? They probably win that football game. They probably win that football game. Sean, would you agree? I actually said on the live stream, I said, I hate that I'm having to think how this game would have turned out if John Rice could actually run the football. Because I actually think you see it, it wouldn't have been a question if UCF wins that game or not. Yeah, based on the way that they were able to do that with him not being able to run and him having to, as I've been saying, stand and bang back there and throw. I mean, the fact that they had it that close is a miracle in itself. So, you know, if he plays in that game, and he's 100% healthy and can run, I think perhaps they win that game. But I think that's my thing going forward here is if they get into some of these shootouts with these teams, can he continue to do this without being much of a factor with his feet? I think that's really going to be the big storyline here of how many wins they can pick up here in this final five games. 100%. And I think we're really going to find out how much of his pocket presence has has improved. I will say there were some times on... Saturday, I was. It looked like a completely different quarterback from last year, and I know you have to go week by week. He can come out on Saturday and put up an, a stinker performance, but I'll say what he did on Saturday was very impressive. And again, it's not just on Saturday; it was against Boise too. So the you take what you can, and you hope that he can get healthier. You hope that the knee can get you know better as the weeks go on. I don't know how much he's practicing, Nick. I'm going to be honest. I, if I'm the coaching staff. I'm just putting him in a walkthrough. I, I I wouldn't be throwing him out there uh, Sunday to to Thursday, uh, especially when you're trying to get his knee healthier and where he can run some plays uh, instead of just having to pass it all the time. But it'll be interesting. Let's go into our, our predictions. Uh, this is a weird one. I mean, I think it is literally for me a 50-50 split here. 
Uh, I could totally see West Virginia coming out and, and you know, stopping us pretty pretty decently. Um, but I can also see UCF just having the upper hand the entire game. Do you have a... I know UCF was favored by six and a half, I think, which I still think is way too much. I understand the home having a home game adds three points to any spread. So realistically, it's about a three and a half point uh, UCF favorite spread. But kind of what's your your take on the game? What's your uh, score prediction for this Saturday? You said what was the spread again? Six and a half. <laughs> That's so funny because my score prediction, <clears throat> as I've been developing it, uh, I have I do have UCF um, winning this game. Um, not by, a, not by a, a large margin or anything like that. Uh, again, it, it's really a coin toss for me, but you know I'm giving the, them the edge slightly, and I had 37 to 31. So six and a half, they're going to be right on the brink of that is kind of how I'm feeling right now. Um, yeah, but I, I think that ultimately they're going to they're gonna prevail in this one. I do. But I do think West Virginia, I mean, I'm projecting to score 31 points. I mean, they, they were able to put up points on Houston. They were able to put up points on, on uh, Oklahoma State. The UCF defense, it's not like it's substantially better, or I don't even know if it is, than Houston or Oklahoma State, to be honest with you. So I think that Green's going to have success on the ground if he wants it. That's like that's still a big test for this team, how they're going to fare with a, a running quarterback. But uh, I do think UCF's offense can move the ball against anybody. It's just a matter of when they get down into the red zone, can they punch it in? I think that's kind of the big thing here. Um, but if they do that, I think they they make their way out of this game. And I think uh, 37-31, and we stop this four-game losing streak finally and get back to 500. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, I know we keep, I've said this a couple times, but this is probably the most important game, regardless of if you win or, like, I get there's another four games after this, but this is the most important game of the season up to date. You either go two games under 500, or you go right at 500 with four games left. It's a big game. I think the players have a lot more confidence. You have to hope that there is a different feeling in the building after last Saturday. I think there is. I think some of the changes that Gus and staff made, especially on the defensive side of the football, really has impacted uh, what can do, what can happen in the future. Uh, play DeCorian Patterson more at cornerback because uh, I really like how he played. Of course, we don't have the same score prediction. Very similar, though. Uh, I do have West Virginia putting up 31 points. I think 31 is a solid number. Um, that'd be better defensively than both Houston and Oklahoma State, which if that's the case, I think we'll be pretty happy and satisfied going into um, those two games. But I think I'm going to say UCF 35 and uh, West Virginia 31. I think UCF puts up five touchdowns, but that's like you said, it's it's ultimately going to come to are you putting up field goals or are you putting up touchdowns? UCF has moved the ball on every single team that they've played. It has not been a problem getting yards and moving the football it's can you finish it in the red area and to UCF's credit against Oklahoma they finished in the red area a couple times there but there's also times they had to kick field goals so it's it's again if, if you can't finish in the red area you will not win in college football and you definitely will not win in the big 12 which is again a coin flip every week so I'm gonna say 35 to 31 but this is a, I get must wins and you can throw out must wins whenever, but this is a clear cut must win. It, it is because you don't want to be put in a situation where the final four games, you got to go out and win three. I mean, and if you can't be, if you can't beat this West Virginia team at home, then 
I might have to start saying that six and six might be off the table. Like just, just plain and simple. Like I, I don't know how you can do a five game losing streak and then somehow win three of your last four having to go on the road in Lubbock, having to play Oklahoma state who is charging right now and then a scrappy Houston team and then a Cincinnati game. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. That's why I've been saying that all the time. I don't think that's a shoe in like a lot of people think. So Having to take three or four after that, if you lose this one, mm, tall task, very tall task. So you've got to win this game. You have to win this. I agree this, this to this point, this is the biggest game of the season. And again, I get you, I get West Virginia's four and three. They, they should be five and two. They should be five and two. So you have like, this is not a easy win for, for, for UCF in the slightest. I get you're at home. It's a and listen, you, you, this is going to be a tough team. You still haven't won a Big 12 game. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're on four. It's still out there. So it's like, on one hand, it's like, I can keep saying like, oh, I think they're going to win this game. And, you know, I'm not that impressed by West Virginia. But at the same time, you know, you haven't won a Big 12 game yet. So it's the other hand of that. It's like, until you do it, how can I trust you? You know, they'll just have to go prove it. I mean, we'll see. Was Oklahoma a fluke? Was it UCF Super Bowl? And they just woke up for that game or are they gonna play like they did against Baylor or or even Kansas State where you come out and you look really good and then crumble in the fourth quarter we'll see all right guys um before we go we will be I announced this a little bit on the pod or not the pod the live stream we'll see if everything goes well there's a little bit of nervous energy for me to make sure that this all goes well we'll, we will be doing a pre-game live stream at 9 30 uh so Come out if you made it this far in the pod. Thank you. Um, but definitely come on out. We will be right kind of near the stage, the you know the pre-game stage where Shaq will be, you know, putting on his set, um, and we'll be handing out and doing Wawa giveaways, um, some charge-on merch, which I'll be finding out today if that's done. Um, but we'll be giving that away, um, and you just can come by the tent. You can hop on the the show and and give your take on the game, on the team, whatever. Um, we'll be out there for about an hour and a half, so come on out, and it, we should be easy to find. We'll be on the walkway where you see all the white tents. We'll be right on that walkway where you'll you'll see us kind of doing our thing. So definitely come on come on out and say hi. Hopefully, again, I can we'll hopefully be broadcasting live to our YouTube. We'll see if Wi-Fi presents. If not, we might just be doing a, a, a free show, you know, you know, on the uh, right next to the tents. I hope that's not the case, but we will see what happens. But definitely come on out and say hi. Nick, uh, any final thoughts before we uh, head to a pregame live stream on Saturday? It'll be an early morning on uh, there on Saturday. They Earlier us- for you than, than me. I know I got to drive from uh, from Tampa to Orlando early in the morning and get all settled in before we go live. And DJ Diesel apparently is going to show up too. I don't know why I'm so skeptic that he's going to be on time. I've heard stories before of Shaq. I hope he's not. Like I remember, like I'm a NASCAR guy, and he he was planned for a race they had at uh, I think it might have been Sonoma or whatever a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. he was supposed to DJ before the game, and something happened. He didn't make it on time. And he got there at the end of the race and he had to do a set after the race. So I've heard stories before of Shaq not exactly getting there at on time. And I hope because he's supposed to go on at like 10, 15 or something, right? From what yeah, I hear. Yeah, and he lives here. 
But and that's he lives true. Here. He does live here. So that, that should make it easy. So hopefully we get DJ Diesel. I mean, I saw the crowd for, for Polly D when when I when we were up there, when I was up there last for that Baylor game, and it was packed. So I have to think, you know, willing that everybody is still on board with the team and is going to show up for this nooner against West Virginia. Again, that's a big key here. Yeah. Uh, assuming that happens, I, I think it's going to be a, a good atmosphere and we're going to have a lot of people down there for that. Hopefully people come by to say hello to us uh, as we, you know, talk about this game a little bit and some other things leading up to it. And uh, hopefully we get a dub. I'm tired of losing. I'm, I'm just I'm tired of losing, Sean. Yeah, I'm tired of it too. We haven't talked about a win in a month. So I, I'd, I'd rather come on a pod and talk about a win than just talking about constant L's. Have we had a home game since that Baylor game? Have I missed? No. That's been, been the last about a one, month. right? It's been a month. <laughs> how so technically think, more than a month. How had, different, we, we how different things were the last time this team was at home. Yep. And that's why I've not talked about the crowd and we won't talk about it because I just hope and pray that everybody comes out and does what they're supposed to and you know cheers on your team regardless of what their record is. Because yes. who knows, at the end of the year, you could be 8-4 and four and then you'll regret not going to see the 3-4 and four team. But I digress. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please like, subscribe, share, comment. Do all that you do. We greatly appreciate it. Please come on out to the live stream. Again, we'll be right outside the stadium. Uh, hopefully, everything goes well so that you can watch it from home. But if not, we will be doing some form of a pregame talk uh, right kind of by the near near the Coke tent uh, when you walk near the stadium. We'll be giving out a bunch of free stuff. So please stop on by. All right, guys. This has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.